Not all instrumental guitar albums are created equal. To create the perfect one, you need the tone, you need the feel, you need the proficiency, and you need to be able to conjure up emotion without any lyrics. Well, on today's show, I'll be sharing with you 12 instrumental guitar albums that check all of those boxes. Get ready to grow your record collection. Hey, TAC family, this is episode 268 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show, a show packed full of fun and inspiration designed to help you get more fulfillment, progress, and joy from your acoustic guitar journey. Throughout today's episode, I'll be sharing with you some acoustic news you can use, which includes a public music history resource, an acoustic guitar rock and roll hall of fame induction, and much, much more. Plus, I'll show you two guitar snows that will inspire you to maybe grow your own guitar snow. That's what's coming up, but first, I want to share with you these 12 instrumental guitar albums that need to be in your record collection. First, I have to say, this was really freaking hard. Like, one of the hardest lists I've ever had to come up with, because I've mentioned so many albums on the Acoustic Tuesday show before. So at first, this was going to be the best instrumental albums of all time, but then I thought, gosh, I've mentioned a lot of those on the show before. So maybe... This will be 12 instrumental guitar albums that you've likely never heard of before. So that's what I went with. But first, just to make sure this is a, a one-two punch, I wanted to share with you some killer instrumental albums that I have mentioned before that if I was to make a greatest instrumental albums of all time list, these would certainly be on it. I'm gonna rifle through these really quick. We've got Tommy Emanuel's Endless Road, Michael Hedges' Aerial Boundaries, Leo Kotke's six and 12 string guitar, John Fahey, the transfiguration of blind Joe death, Brian Sutton, not too far from the tree, skip hop and wobble, which is Jerry Douglas, Russ Berenberg and Edgar Meyer, Rye Cooter's Paris, Texas, the grizzly man soundtrack, which is Richard Thompson's work and Preston Reed's instrumental landing. Those are all ones that <clears throat> I have mentioned before that are fantastic. So if you have not heard any of those, do yourself a favor and start digging in. Now onto my list of 12 instrumental guitar albums you may have never heard in your life. And I've got some real dandies on here. Some are actually out of print. So if you can find these, um, kudos to you, bonus points. Okay, coming in at number one is Ariel Posen's Mile End. This album came out in 2021. I listened to it on a road trip from Missoula back to Bozeman after a gig, and I was nearly brought to tears by this album. I know that sounds a little woo-woo. That sounds maybe like tones getting soft. This album has one of the most beautiful tones on it. He conjures up this amazing guitar tone that just cuts directly to your heart. If you have not heard this, you need to hear it. If you've already heard it, you need to own it. Plain and simple, this is one of the best of all time. Let's listen to a track off of it entitled, Begin Again. Next up is an album that combines two things that you may have never thought should be combined, or maybe you never thought they were combined in the first place. Coming in at number two is Rob Icke's Road Song. This is an album that is very Dobro-centric, 
and it's very jazz-centric. Now, this does have a vocal track on it. I want to get that right out of the way, but it is primarily an instrumental album. You've got dobro, you've got piano. It is magical. It's truly magical. It's dobro framed in a perspective that I have never heard it before, and Rob Ikes is a true master. Let's go ahead and listen to a track off of it entitled Aptly Road Song. song was released in 2009. I don't think I mentioned that. Now we're going to go way back in time to 1973. An album by Peter Lang comes in at number three. Yes, coming in at number three is Peter Lang's The Thing at the Nursery Room Window. I found this in a record store. I purchased it because it was Peter Lang, but more so I purchased it because of the album cover. It's kind of creepy. It's also kind of cool. Uh, and this, if you're an American primitive guitar style fanatic, if you're an American primitive guitar style lover, this is an album that I think you'll really dig. A lot of 12 string on it. It's just a beautiful, beautiful album. One that you can play over and over and over again and not get sick of it. And you kind of discover new things every time you take a new lap with this album. So let's listen to a track off of it entitled Bituminous Nightmare. And I had to look this up. Bituminous has to do with coal. It's like the rejected coal, I think. Bitumen is the is the re rejected coal. I don't know. I, I read it once. I'm trying to relay it to you. Probably not the smoothest. Let's go ahead and listen to that song. Again, it's Bituminous Nightmare. The number four spot is held by another Dobro-centric album. Coming in at number four is Jerry Douglas's album, Look Out for Hope. Yes, this contains a vocal track, but don't worry, we're gonna scratch that. This album, gosh, it runs the gamut from lap steel to Weissenborn to straight ahead Dobro. It's got a tune that is truly one of my favorite. It actually has quite a few tunes that are truly some of my favorite. Uh, he does a cover of Little Martha on this album that is gorgeous. And he also does the song that you're about to hear entitled Monkey Let the Hogs Out. It's done on Weissenborn and it's just a, it's a fun tune to listen to. It's got some bounce, but also the tone that's captured is mesmerizing. Mesmeri mesmer... <laughs> It's it's mesmerizing. What did I say? Mesmerizing? Uh, mes yeah, the tone that's captured is mesmerizing. Let's go ahead and give it a listen. This album was released in 2006. Here is Monkey Let the Hogs Out off of that album. <laughs> The album coming in at number five was actually recorded between 1973 and 1979. It's a collection of outtakes, but this record was not released until 2018. And I believe it was released for a record store day. At least that's where I ran into it, and I'm so happy that I did. Coming in at number five is Duck Baker's Le Blues du Richmond. 
I think it's kind of French. I don't know. As you can tell, I don't know how to speak it. Uh, anyways, this is a beautiful collection of outtakes. Uh, I think he's predominantly playing a, a nylon string guitar in this, and it's just some beautiful fingerstyle arrangements, one of which you're gonna hear right now. It's a, it's a classic old-time tune entitled Sandy River Bell. I had only previously heard this song on the banjo, so when I heard it on the guitar, I was enthralled. Let's go ahead and listen to it right now. Coming in at number six is a must-own album if you're interested in ragtime fingerstyle guitar. Coming in at number six is an album entitled Contemporary Ragtime Guitar. It's a compilation album. It was released in 2009, and it contains some heavy hitter guitar players sampling a wide swath of the repertoire of ragtime guitar. I gotta tell you, for any guitar geek, this album is one that plain and simply needs to be in your collection. You could probably find it at the record store for three, four bucks. It's one of those albums that you kind of flip by, but you need to stop on this one. You need to bring it to the cash register and you need to own it. Let's go ahead and listen to a track off of it entitled Buck Dancer's Choice. Point. I've got six more albums for you. Coming in at number seven is Bill Frizzell's Nashville album. This album is quite simply beautiful. It is definitely geared more towards, dare I say, bluegrass instrumentation, but it's not straight ahead bluegrass. It's quite a beautiful sampling of the tones and the instruments you would find in a bluegrass setting, but pulled a little bit further away with more of a, an ambient approach. I don't know if that's a great description, but this is a beautiful album nonetheless. You need to hear a track off of it. Let's go ahead and listen to the song Pipe Down. Coming in at number eight, to the best of my knowledge, is an out-of-print album. It's entitled Old Time Banjo Festival. And this is a compilation album kind of studying various styles of old-time banjo, various artists of old-time banjo. Yes, I know this is not a guitar album technically, but it's a beautiful instrumental album, one that will give you uh, a great list of songs to further research, a great list of songs to, to truly enjoy. I've learned a ton from this album on the banjo, but also on the guitar. So let's listen to one of my favorite songs from this album. Now, since this album is, again, I believe out of print, I don't have an exact track off of this album. However, as I mentioned, I learned from this album. I learned one of the songs from it entitled Skating on the Harbor Front. This song was written by Chris Cool, Cooley, Cool, one of the one of the two pronunciations. And um, I, whoa, I actually played this long ago. I think I recorded this like 13 years ago on YouTube. So you're gonna see a very young 
Tony Policastro playing this on the banjo. This is Skating on the Harbor Front, again, written by Chris Cooley. The Old Time Banjo Festival album was, uh, was released in 2007. Here's that tune. Zip to another out-of-print album. Coming in at number nine is Ivan Rosenberg's Ashes and Coals. This album single-handedly is responsible for me truly falling in love with the dobro. It's the first time I heard a single instrument carry the weight of an entire song. This album has beautiful space. It has beautiful tone. This album conjures up so many emotions. The instrument breathes throughout this album. It's truly gorgeous. Um, if you can get your hands on it, please do. I think you can listen to it on YouTube. I don't think you can listen to it on Spotify. I'm not entirely sure, but I do think the entire album is on YouTube. And this is a this truly is a must listen. Um, sparse, beautiful, all the words, all the words, but I need you to hear it. Let's listen to the song here this morning. This album was released in 2005. spot. Coming in at number 10 is Charlie Parr's Sound No Song. This album is available exclusively on Charlie's Bandcamp, and it's essentially a collection of musical ideas taken from phone recordings. These ideas never made it to a full song, but nonetheless, when they're compiled into a single album, it makes for a tour de force of a songwriter's mind, a songwriter's approach. And I feel that in hindsight, we'll look at this album as being possibly one of the most important albums in the folk world. I know that's a bold statement, but for any guitar player, any songwriter that maybe struggles with ideas or has a ton of ideas and, and you just don't know where to go with them, I feel like this is a great album that you can lean on to know that it's okay. Everybody's process is okay. And you know what? Looking back, when you look at all your ideas, there's some pretty darn good ones. And yeah, maybe they didn't make a full-blown song, but man, they sure, they, they sure do sound cool. And to me, that's what this album is, is, is so good at. So we're gonna listen to a track off of this album. Now, all the tracks are, they use the dates as the title. So this track is April 24th, 2021. Let's give it a listen. <laughs> in the final turn here, coming in at number 11 is Glenn Jones, Even to Win is to Fail. And who makes an appearance on this record? Charlie Parr. So it's a good segue from the last album. Now, this album is very much in the American primitive guitar style world, but I feel it's one that is palatable to 
a greater audience. I'm not saying American Primitive Guitar isn't palatable, but I feel that, you know, sometimes when you play an American Primitive Guitar album, a John Fahey album or something like that, when you play it for a crowd of people, they're kind of like, what, what's going on here? What is this? I don't feel that's the case with this Glenn Jones album. I think this is a beautiful album that, that really is, it could be widely accepted if you were hanging out, doing a holiday party, and you wanted to throw something on that wasn't Christmas music. Uh, let's give a listen to a track off of this. Now, this album was released in 2011. Let's listen to the song, The Great Pacific Northwest. on the last spot, the last album. Now, I should be clear, this wasn't a, a best to greatest kind of a list. This was quite simply a sampling of great instrumental albums. By no means could I go from really awesome to the awesomest because these albums are so diverse and they're in so many different genres and contain so many different tones and instruments. I feel that ranking these would be it would be a great disservice to all the albums on this list. This is more of a, a sampling. So coming in at number 12, the final spot on my list is Gwenifer Raymond's Strange Lights on Garth Mountain. I feel that this album contains the emotion. I think this album is one that you listen to and you can feel what Gwenifer is feeling as she's playing these songs. She conveys emotion so well through her instrument. It's just a great example of that. Every time I listen to this album, I walk away inspired. I just do. I don't know what it is about this album, but it truly has that effect on me. I think it will have that effect on you. We'll call this a COVID album because it was released in 2020. And let's listen to a song off of it entitled Hell for Certain. Before we get to your first dose of acoustic news, you can use I Have a Question for you. What is your favorite instrumental guitar album? What's your go-to instrumental album? Go ahead and let me know in the comments below. I love creating these lists and I love your comments because what ends up happening is we get this huge resource of awesome albums. All of the guitar geeks are sharing albums. It's so cool. So this list turns into not just 12 albums, but a lot more because of your comments. So again, go ahead and let me know in the comments below what your favorite go-to instrumental album is. Okay, on to your first dose of acoustic news you can use. And the first story I have for you is, I think it's actually about a month, month old, um, so not necessarily current, but an issue of Guitar World that piqued my interest, and I think you should get your hands on it if you haven't already. Uh, I believe last month's issue of Guitar World contained a list of the 30 greatest Texas guitarists. And I found this was so cool because you have you have quite the wide uh, range of guitarists. You've got uh, Dimebag Daryl from Pantera on this end. You've got Stevie Ray Vaughan over here. I'm assuming Johnny Winter is in there. I'm assuming Lightning Hopkins is in there. I believe those are both Texas guitar players. But nonetheless, uh, a list you should definitely check out. If you haven't gotten that issue uh, already, please do. 
I haven't. I just looked at the cover and I thought, I need to tell you about it because it looks pretty darn cool. I always, you know, see those lists of 100 greatest guitarists of all time. And I wonder, how do you narrow it down? But this seems, this seems a little bit more niche because, well, it's Texas guitar. So make sure to check that out. Next up is, <laughs> this is really cool. Um, Beard Guitars just created a lap steel for Megan Lovell of Larkin Poe. And it's really cool. It's modeled after her Rickenbacker lap steel, but it's a little bit more stage friendly because of the way that it's built, you can actually stand up and play with it. It's got a Lawler pickup, it screams, it's ultra cool. It's called the Electro Liege. Let's hear Megan talk about it right now. The Electro Liege is a fresh, innovative new lap steel born of a collaboration between myself and Paul Beard of Beard Guitars. I've been touring for over a decade now, and in those years, I have gained many insights into what would make the perfect touring lap steel. I need a guitar that I can stand with and move around the stage. I need a guitar that is also light in weight, but heavy in sound. So I took my road-hardened insights to Paul Beard, who is an expert in slide making and has been for over 40 years. He's really a master and has built for the likes of Jerry Douglas, Mike Aldridge, and Vince Gill. I dreamed and drew up a pattern for a brand new body shape of lap steel that's meant for playing standing up, and also a unique set of pick guards that pays homage to my Rickenbacker touring setup that I've been playing with for many, many years. Paul took that drawing and created a beautiful lap steel made from American poplar. So it's very lightweight at just over six and a half pounds. We partnered with Lawler Pickups to build a custom one and a half inch horseshoe pickup that really packs a punch. <laughs> We've got this really nice kind of sheer white finish and golden pick guards that I think look really, really royal. Wrapping up your first dose of acoustic news you can use is something that I find to be a great opportunity for you, especially if you're in the Chicagoland area. The Old Town School of Folk Music just opened up their resource center to the public. Now, you might think, eh, whatever, no. No, 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 this is a big deal. The Old Town School of Folk Music Resource Center contains some absolute gems. Now, for those of you who've watched the show for a while, you know I used to work at the Old Town School of Folk Music. I worked in the retail store. Well, when my first son, Aiden, was born, I needed to supplement my cash flow quite a bit. So I was working a lot. Well, one of the opportunities that opened up was for me to archive old concert footage. We're talking footage that went back to, I wanna say the maybe late 70s, 80s, 90s, recorded on VHS. I, my job was to digitize it, which essentially consisted of me sitting in a chair, putting in a VHS tape, putting in a digital tape, pressing play and record over here, and watching the entire concert. I saw John Hartford, I saw um, the, uh, the banjo tour. It had like Tony Furtado, I believe Bela Fleck was on it, Tony Trishka. I saw a ton of amazing shows and those were digitized, right? So this resource center contains some absolute gems and I wanna show you just a few of the gems I'm talking about. Um, they posted a couple pictures here. The first is a copy of Jack Tuttle's traditional fiddle collection, which, as we know, is Molly Tuttle's dad. Very cool. Here's the next one that really 
it, it was the nail in the coffin for me in terms of making this an amazing opportunity for you, anybody in the Chicagoland area that has any interest in folk music whatsoever. It's an original demo of Gillian Welch and David Rawlings on cassette tape, a demo. That's just plain cool because they are one of the foremost folk duos in the world. Uh, in my opinion, they, they kind of led a, a modern day folk revival, if you will. So very cool opportunity. Uh, make sure to check out the Old Town School of Folk Music. Go on their website, see what the hours are. I'm not entirely sure, so I'm a little bit scared to say anything about specifics, uh, but make sure to check it out. If you're in the Chicagoland area, this is a wonderful opportunity and one that I don't think you should pass up. So many books, so many recordings, and uh, a, a true kind of bit of folk legacy right there. Really amazing, really amazing stuff. Colby Maddox, if you're still in the Resource Center, hi, how are you? Uh, okay, let's move on to some guitar snills. Uh, this first one is more of a follow-up guitar snill. It comes from TAC family member Z Win, and he says, here's some new guitars since my last submission. Also, thanks for your positivity and enthusiasm. Your principles apply not only to guitar playing, but life in general. Thanks, Z. I appreciate it. Uh, here's what he has in his updated guitar snow. A 2012 Fender Kurt Cobain Sonic Blue Mustang. A very cool guitar, if I can take an aside here. One that I have contemplated getting time and time and time again. Because I'm a huge Nirvana fan. Really, that's the only reason. Um, so, Z, if you're, if you're watching, maybe in the comments, let me know how you like the guitar. Uh, I'm very curious. Uh, continuing on his updated guitar snow, we've got a 1995 Taylor 912C, a 2014 Martin Custom Shop with an Adirondack spruce top, Coco Bolo back and sides. It's a triple O 28 with an amber tone burst on the top. And he's also got a pearl drum set with Zildjian custom A cymbals for his son and himself. Uh, great stuff, and that, that hits me right in the heart because my son Aiden plays drums, so I got a set uh, for when he comes to visit, and we have just an absolute blast. He sits behind the drum kit, he throws down beats, I just noodle on guitar, and it's so cool to look across and see my son playing drums, I'm playing with him, and this last summer, uh, it was my dad on bass, myself on guitar, and my son on drums three generations of, of musicians. It's just so darn cool. So, uh, Z, that's awesome. Thank you for submitting your guitar snow. And I've got one more for you. This one comes from Keith Darbin, and uh, he's from the Somer Somerset UK. I never know how to say things. Uh, it just, I, I feel like I'm a geographical disaster. Um, so he says, here's my guitar snow. Been playing guitar since I was 14, 52 years ago, and now play every day following tack. On the far right is his Echo Ranger 12, bought in 1969 with the help of his dad who paid the finance and which I worked three paper routes a day to pay for. Next is my go-to gigging guitar, my Brook Torridge, hand-built in the West Country, UK by Brook Guitars. Then we have an Epiphone Les Paul Standard. Next to that is the guitar I play every day, a Faith Mercury Short Scale, ideal for playing in my office on the TAC Daily Challenge. And last in line is a 1965 Echo Ranger 6, which I bought after its original owner passed away. It needed a fair amount of work, which I enjoyed doing. Thanks, Tony, and Guitar Geeks Unite. Well, thank you, Keith. Thank you, Z, for sharing your guitar snows with us. And if you're sitting at home thinking to yourself, yep, yep, this is my sign. It's time to submit my guitar snow. Just follow the links in the description. Follow the links to purchase a guitar snow shirt, and then follow the link to submit a picture of you wearing your guitar snow shirt amongst all of your guitars. You can list them there, tell little stories, and I'll feature you on an upcoming episode of the Acoustic Tuesday Show. 
Moving on to your, oh no, it's not time for second dose of acoustic news you can use. This is time for you to pull out your guitar. Speaking of guitar snools and guitar, grab your guitar. It's time to see what the TAC family is working on today. Every single week within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, we focus on one of the five categories of guitar improvement. Mondays is a technique challenge, Tuesdays a guitar lick challenge, Wednesdays improvisation challenge, Thursdays rhythm guitar challenge, and Fridays a chord transition challenge. Today is Tuesday and the TAC family is working on a guitar lick. Here it is. Your guitar lick challenge for today is entitled Ricky Lake. Yes, the talk show host Ricky Lake is the inspiration behind today's guitar lick. In fact, every single challenge this week within TAC is dedicated to a different talk show host. You got Jerry Springer, you got Geraldo Rivera, and of course, Ricky Lake. You might be thinking, Tom, that's a little bit of a stretch. Why did you title these challenges in this way? Well, the musical focus this week within Tony's Acoustic Challenge is the key of C and position shifting within the key of C. And I thought to myself, well, if the key of C is the people's key and talk show hosts talk to people, what a perfect name, a match made in heaven, if you will. So I wanna dig into this lick so you can hear what it sounds like, and then I'll go over some of the nuances of it. So this lick, you can notice there's a subtle position shift there, and that's really important. Being able to fluidly move around the guitar neck is extremely important. And also, we're really milking the C major pentatonic scale here. Now, I wanna show this to you in a musical context because right now, it seems a little sing-songy. And that's actually kind of one of the characteristics of the C major pentatonic scale. But I wanna show it to you in between chords so you can actually hear it in action. But first, if you wanna learn this note for note, TAC fam, all you have to do is log into your account. This challenge is awaiting you on your home page. Click Start Challenge, you'll go right into the teaching video. Once you get comfortable with it, you can move to the play along video, pick a speed that works for you. And of course, don't forget to click that tab icon in the lower right hand corner so you can open up the tab and follow along with that as well. Okay, so this lick. One of the things that I really wanna emphasize, and I've said this a couple times already, is position shifting. Being able to strum a chord in its home position or its open position and then move to a lick and then come back to that open chord is something that is a wonderful skill to have in your repertoire. It really opens up your options in terms of adding some flourishes and some interest to your playing. And that's exactly how I'm gonna present this lick. I'm gonna start vamping on a C chord, move to the lick, and then move back to the C chord, okay? And you're gonna see my actual fretting hand shift positions to accommodate for the lick and then come back to that open position chord. This is necessary to, to play the lick, but also the focus here, again, really is getting used to going from that open position chord to the lick and then back to that open position chord. So here it is. The cat 
So yeah, it still has some of that sing-songy sound. It's kind of almost nursery rhyme-ish, but that's really not the point. The point is being able to shift positions and integrate some single notes so you can add another dimension, another layer to your rhythm guitar offerings. This is great if you're playing along and let's say the song you're singing ends on a C chord or a verse ends on a C chord and you wanna do something interesting before you start the next verse, which also happens to begin on a C chord, right? So you add this wonderful little line in it, this little lick that separates the verses, but also musically adds a bunch of interest. I hope you really dug this, and I hope you can find a way to integrate it into your playing or something like it into your playing. Now, before we get back to the show, I wanna talk about distraction. And I wanna talk about why distraction exists and why it's so easy to be distracted. As I've mentioned before on the show, distraction is our number one enemy to progress. Why is it so easy to be distracted? Well, number one, we have distractions everywhere. Our computers are littered with distraction, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. I mean, it's just that everything is, is pulling your attention off of what you wanna be working on when it comes to guitar. But why is it so easy to be distracted? Here's why, and I want you to keep this in mind next time you feel yourself being distracted. Distraction is a way to be comfortable, okay? When you're trying something new, when you sit down to play guitar and you're trying something new, oftentimes it's uncomfortable. You don't know how to do it. It might sound cruddy, it might sound thuddy, it might sound like you don't know what you're doing. And that's a good thing because you don't. If you're learning something new, you haven't done it before and you're just starting to get it under your fingers. That initial struggle, that initial kind of uh, um, uh, scrappiness that it takes to get something new under your fingers is necessary. But that's exactly when distraction can enter the picture because our brains are like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I don't like learning something new. This is weird. I wanna do something that's familiar. And that's when distraction happens. So now that you know kind of the, the um, the function behind distraction and when it rears its ugly head, you can at least mitigate it in some way. So just know this going into your practice session, know this going into your playing session and say, okay, I'm gonna work on this for 10 focused minutes. I'm not gonna be distracted. And if after those 10 minutes, I find myself going in another direction, that's okay. Just give yourself those 10 focused minutes and you'll be surprised how much you can accomplish in that short time frame. I have a very important story kicking off your second dose of acoustic news, and that is Elizabeth Cotton was just inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, Elizabeth Cotton was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, there was a post on Instagram that a TAC member actually sent me via Instagram, and I'm so grateful because, to be honest, I hadn't heard this at all. And I'm really, to be honest, I'm really surprised. But this is something that I think is downright necessary. I would love to see this more and more. I would love to see more of these, these fundamental keystone trailblazing musicians get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because they have influenced every generation after. And a lot of times, if it wasn't for these original artists, certain styles of rock and roll music never would even exist. I'm gonna find this post here. I wanna read it to you because I just thought it was pretty cool. And um, I wanna thank, thanks, I want to express my thanks to whomever sent this to me. Now I can't find it. Uh, but thank you for sending this to me. Thank you for keeping me in the loop. Here's what the post had to say. This evening, folk musician Elizabeth Cotton will be posthumously inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a recipient of the Early Influence Award. She is one of a handful of female musicians in this category, joining an elite group of eight that include jazz icon Billie Holiday, 
Gospel Fireball, Sister Rosetta Tharp, and Rockabilly Wiz, Wanda Jackson. Great stuff. And uh, let's let's move on down the line here. We've got another one. Oh, this is cool. This is just a heartwarming one. You know, it's December. Welcome to December, I should say. Uh, happy December to you. We're almost wrapping up 2022. We're on our way to 2023. Holy smokes. The Acoustic Tuesday show is closing in on 300 episodes. What is that even? How does that even happen? Um, absolutely crazy. Well, it happens because of you. Thank you for watching. But the story I want to share with you is one from Norman's Rare Guitars. They have a, a, a customer of theirs who is outside their store playing guitar. His name is Roberto, and uh, he's a phenomenal player. I saw some video footage of him. Well, one of the employees of Norman's Rare Guitars appreciated this so much, he paid it forward. Here's the backstory. I don't want to give you the full story, but I'm going to give you some, some key chunks of the backstory. This individual from Norman's Rare Guitars, uh, a customer of Norman's Rare Guitars, purchased a guitar for this employee. Said employee wanted to pay it forward, and he gave a 52 reissue Telecaster to Roberto. But Roberto didn't know about it, and that's where we pick up in this video. Would you would you play this one for me? This is a guitar that I just want to hear you play. Could you play this one for me real quick? Really quick? I appreciate it. Telecaster. Oh, really? Yeah. Let's hear how you do this. Like one of your tunes. Thank you. I don't, I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. Nothing. You yeah. just keep playing. That's what you do. You sound good, man. You <laughs> sound really good. Bam. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Keep playing that thing, though, man. It sounds so good. Honestly, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt last week. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you again, so and thank you, and thank you You're a so thousand well. times. and. Just a beautiful act of guitar goodwill. I saw that story and I thought it's, it's got to be featured. Yes, it's it's holiday time and I think it, it holds extra weight during holiday time, but really any time of year, that's pretty darn special and, and very good stuff. Again, a, a guitar gratitude, uh, goodwill, guitar goodwill, not sure what to call it, but I certainly am enjoying the alliteration game I'm playing in front of you right now. Uh, we got one more story for you and this one's just plain cool. Uh, if you don't follow Dying Breed Guitars on Instagram, do yourself a favor. Follow Dying Breed Guitars. They post some incredible vintage guitars, very rare vintage guitars. And this one certainly takes the cake, not only because of its rarity, but because of its provenance. They just actually, uh, I don't know if they bought it or encountered it or they have it for sale. It sounds like they do. Uh, a 1931 OM-18, which in and of itself is super, super cool. But this 1931 OM-18 was owned by Conway Twitty. I mean, right? How cool is that? Here's what the post, uh, here's what the caption had to say. Just in, a 1931 OM-18 in incredible condition and in an original case. Owned by Conway Twitty. This model was made for only four years, regarded by some as the best incarnation of a flat top guitar ever made. If interested, please contact us. 
So it sounds like it is indeed for sale uh, if you happen to own a museum, if you happen to be a, a collector who wants to play a very rare, amazing guitar, go ahead and reach out to Dying Breed Guitars. And if you ever want to borrow it to someone, I'm here. I'll give you the shipping address. Or you can stop on by if you end up owning it. Uh, anyways, on that note, on those vintage notes, on those uh, notes of provenance, let's go ahead and wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for today. But first, let's take a sneak peek into next week. And, and talking about old Martin guitars, have I got a show for you next week? Quite possibly a highly controversial show. I'm not sure how this is going to go. Next week on the Acoustic Tuesday show, I'll be sharing with you my favorite Martin guitars of all time. Yes, I'm going to lead to the best Martin guitar in my opinion. That's happening next week on the Acoustic Tuesday show. I can guarantee you'll be able to guess some of the models on my list, but there's a good chance you won't be able to guess a large chunk of them because I've, I've done some digging here and there's some real gems that don't cost a million bucks, don't cost a thousand bucks. But we'll discuss those next week on the Acoustic Tuesday show. Remember, you can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And before I let you go, please do remember this. Your guitar success, however you define it, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day you play. Yes, fun should be your number one priority. Wow, I feel clear today. I think the cold is lifting, but let me just give you a little hint. I took some Sudafed before today's episode. Wow, I should have been taking Sudafed all along. I feel like I could run up a mountain. I'm sure I'll crash, but you won't see that because the Acoustic Tuesday show will be over. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing your time with me, and thank you for being a guitar geek. I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday show. Cheers, be nice, and play guitar.